0: I am a professional frog impersonator
1: and I am Chewbacca's hidden codpiece you always (laughs) thought he was just like asexual and didn't have a dong now he wears a codpiece that matches his fur (laughs) and that's me
0: and welcome to planet of the meerkats season 72 Yeah, dude. So it's been
1: five months since our last episode. Five months. Wow. That's crazy. It's been five months. It's been too long since I've heard your dulcet tones, my friend. All right. What are we drinking today? Uh, I'm drinking Folgers coffee. Oh,
0: man. Folgers, dude. You're bringing bringing back the OG 90s It's
1: the best part of waking up. (laughs) That's (laughs) offensive to me in in, in many ways, Dave. What, What you should do is give me some coffee tips so I can improve my coffee game. Because usually, I mean, if I'm not getting it out, which I hardly ever do, I will get uh, Target brand coffee and Folgers. Mm
0: -hmm. (laughs) I don't think that you want to go down this road. Okay, so while it will lead to better coffee if you want it, it's it's just an obsession and will cost more money. Take me down this road, my friend. Okay, I'll take you down that road. I'll send. I'll send you my thoughts. <laughs> we could maybe we could find so, some
1: coffee-themed movies to do. Ooh,
0: that's a great idea. Um, I'm drinking a strawberry lavender vibe. Mm. 25 milligrams of hemp CBD. Oh man, nice. Gonna <laughs> like heal your joints. And I mean, she- uh, CBD. Yeah. CBD does does nothing. I just like. Honestly, I just like the branding of these. I have a few random notes. So I was just scrolling Instagram, waiting for you, and I got on this like Stranger Things account and they have this like hair swap for the characters it's not really a hair swap they just made they made all the male characters into females and the female characters into male so it's like a. and i have to say all the <laughs> all the 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 male characters look really great as even girl, even um, um uh mike yeah even with mike his giant beak yeah he looks he looks pretty good um Millie Bobby Brown looks <laughs> she looks pretty good as a guy I, have to I say.
1: gotta say that was the one thing that kind of took me out of Stranger Things the last Stranger Things season is mm-hmm. Millie Bobby Brown is like a model now and so mm-hmm. they were trying to like make her seem young and like ugly and it just yeah. really didn't work <laughs> what other movies have you seen lately oh man let's see I saw nope did you see that I have that not. was really good I just, it just, it really kind of solidified, I think, Jordan Peele as like one of the, the premier filmmakers of our time. Like, it just felt really original. Mm-hmm. It was a nice new point of view. And I don't know, it was just an interesting take. He kind of left just enough uns- unsaid that leaves you questioning stuff at the end. And I don't know, he, I think his movies are going to lo- be looked on really favorably. There's going to be some new Planet of the Meerkats podcast in 30 years doing a show on <laughs> Jordan Peele movies. <laughs> i i think kiki palmer is like a really magnetic
0: person one reason i wanted to see it is i i feel like she's just really compelling yeah. as a individual but as but as a actress as well so that seems exciting um, daniel kalua and I've her heard, had
1: really great chemistry as brother and sister
0: yeah yeah i've heard it's just it's kind of a departure a bit because it's more sci-fi than what he's done in the past yeah i i'm 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 Anything that involves killer aliens.
1: <laughs> well, I'm assuming they're killer aliens. They don't ever really resolve where the, the thing comes from. The things or the thing. I'm not going to say much. But they don't ever really resolve where it comes from. They just sort of confront it and then like, they don't get any answers. So it might not be aliens. Maybe not. But maybe, <laughs> maybe there'll be nope too. I know the guy, the guy who played the Fry's employee in the movie, and I his, I, his name escapes me because they get help from a Fry's employee to come and uh, set up surveillance equipment, and he gets obsessed with it and keeps coming yeah. out. And he came out and said that he'd be game for a sequel. So I don't know about everyone else, but maybe we'll get right. a sequel starring him, <laughs> directed by like Uwe Fry's Boll or something. <laughs> Although I gotta say it was totally it totally took me out of the movie because they showed the interiors and there was actually stuff on the shelves and when mm-hmm. I moved down to San Diego, all of the Southern California fries were awful like they just didn't have anything on the shelves. Mm-hmm. I was convinced that it was a like a, a smuggling scheme.'re they're, they're officially all gone yeah. now, right? I don't think there's any actual They converted fries. one of the fries around here into a Costco, which is fun.
0: Remember that there was one like in the San Jose area that was shaped like a Mayan temple. Mm-hmm. Do you remember that? <laughs> <laughs> no. I, I think we should bring back stores that are shaped like weird, anachronistic buildings. Like, there's, I, I want to I go to like a, a, a Chipotle shaped like the Eiffel there's Tower. There's
1: an interesting building. If I take my alternate road, road home from work, it's like this big white metal mesh pyramid. It's really cool. Mm-hmm. It only has like an insurance company inside of it, so like total waste of the, <laughs> the space. But, but no, that's that's
0: what's beautiful about it. That's the most American thing ever. You just get this horrible pastiche of styles, and then <laughs> and then you just put like a really mundane business inside. <laughs> <laughs> like, like it reminds me of, like the Four Seasons landscaping. Fiasco. Yeah. Like, <laughs> they, <laughs> <laughs> There's just something so beautiful about that. So we, we actually had a few mo- uh, Criterion joints that we were going to talk about yeah, today. Yeah, we did. And they're very different movies. I don't, I don't know that there's a, th- a theme at all here between <laughs> these two films, but I would love, yeah, if you, if you came up with one, I would love to hear it. But we watched Midnight Run and Touch of yeah, Midnight Beaver.
1: Run, starring Charles Grodin and Robert De Niro. R.I.P. Uh, and Yafet Kota, who also died recently. Oh, okay. And then, uh, yeah, uh, a touch of evil. Orson, Orson Wells. Welles and Janet Lee and uh, Charlton Heston.
0: Charlton Heston in in brownface, which is very <laughs> not convincing. One and two uh, yes. inappropriate. <laughs> so, what did you? Which one do you want start to start with? Right uh, here? Midnight Run.
1: Give me your your ten thousand foot view so on this. So, Midnight Run was. I thought, very good. I watched it with Brahman. I think we both enjoyed it quite a bit. I feel like it's almost part of a, a, a genre of film that's slowly dying, which is sort of the action comedy. Mm-hmm. They aren't really jokes yeah. per se, but like they kind of set things up as a, it just it, they, they, they they had to build their characters up and let them interact. Like You saw it sort mm-hmm. of taken to its extreme in things like... Rush Hour, like those those types of movies, or the Lethal Weapon, mm-hmm. like they're not really overtly comedies, but they're funny. It was directed by Martin Brest, who also directed Beverly Hills Cop, Meet Joe Black, and Son of a Woman, and then ended his career on a high point with Gili. Yeah. Oh, Gili. <laughs> I mean, I, I, have we had a critical uh,
0: reassessment of Gili? You know, I think all things bad end up being good. Eventually. Yeah, maybe we should. Yeah, it's got but Maybe Pacino not that way. one.
1: And you know now that Jennifer um, uh, Lopez and uh, Jennifer, Jennifer yeah Jennifer Jennifer Lopez and Ben Affleck now that they're back together perhaps we can get a Glee too or a remake <laughs> reboot Glee the new generation alternate alternate <laughs> timeline <laughs> it's Gigli a, a remake Scringy of Glee starring the same actors directed by the same guy <laughs> <laughs> they're just older. I'm all for like
0: the Gigli extended cinematic universe. <laughs> yeah, I think the action comedy is I feel like it definitely peaked in the eighties and nineties and it was such a great genre. And you know, these are not these are not films that will I mean, the fact that this is on Criterion channels speaks to Criterion I think <laughs> loosening its its standards a bit of like what constitutes a great film. I mean mm. it's an enjoyable film. But it's not a film where you, like, watch it for yeah. filmmaking. Or maybe you do. I don't know. I, I wasn't, like, watching for camera angles and the sort of conceptual underpinnings of this film. But it was, it was nostalgic and it was heartwarming. And I think that the style of these movies is always putting the opposite, opposite mm. characters together. And that's where that kind of comedy and, and the, the real depth of the movie comes out, right? And you really, I mean, De Niro and Grodin are, like... You know, yeah. Legends. So to watch them kind of
1: play off each other
0: is well. And De
1: Niro, I was a huge fan of De Niro in like the 90s. And this is sort of a a prelude to that De Niro. And Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, I mean, he was sort of at the the peak of his powers in this movie. Um, We had it. We were joking around because while we were watching it, there's a brother and sister that my daughters like to play with and the older sister was over our house and nelly was over their house and so when when the movie was over mm-hmm. it was right about the time to take them home so we were doing a switch and i was like okay we got to do this like in the movie all right we're swap we're, we're swapping the effing hostages okay i want to see nelly walk her out bring her out and then I'll, and then i'll release your daughter <laughs> that's
0: amazing <laughs> you know i think i think it's like there's a lot of there's a lot of great supporting characters in this movie, or supporting act- mm-hmm. actors, I should say. We have uh, Joe Pantoliano, mm-hmm. Dennis Farina. Oh, geez, what's his name? He just recently died, but he was the he was the library cop in Seinfeld. Oh yeah, I, I um, actually looked up his name too, and um,
1: yes, Baker he was Hall. great in Seinfeld too. Philip Baker Hall, yeah. <laughs> Although he was a bit wasted.
0: But all of these, he is a bit wasted in this, yeah. But I mean, I think I think it's another thing that like we i mean I, I think we still get films like this where you have these just amazing character actors who who just oh and Yafit fit um, who uh, was who played yeah. uh, agent alonso who's great who is like so understated in this movie yeah. but like really i mean i think i think it's like you're seeing all these people some of them at the height of their careers but most of them early mm-hmm. on in their careers and de niro specifically i think it's great to watch a film of de niro before he just becomes de niro like he's He's obviously like a big mm-hmm. star at this point, but he's not yeah. playing himself, you know, like there are all these actors that do that. And I, saw pre- know, I guess what's great about character actors is that they, they have a level of anonymity still to the point where they can kind of disappear. Well, and the I role. think,
1: so I, I, we, we saw the League of Super Pets, which is another one of those movies <laughs> They probably will, ne- will never appear. You watch so many kids I, and I like to go to the movies <laughs> Uh, So, The League of Super Pets stars Dwayne the Rock Johnson as Crypto the Super Dog, (laughs) Superman's pet that he brought with him from Krypton, and also has superpowers. (laughs) And then, what's his name? Kevin, um, short guy. Kevin Hart. Kevin Hart. Plays this Batman dog. And the movie was fine. It was entertaining. We laughed. But... like, I'm kind of sick of these movies just casting big Hollywood stars. Like, let's bring back voice actors. Mm-hmm. I think it's so much more interesting. Yeah, so totally. You know, because really what you're watching is The Rock and Kevin Hart banter. It's not... They mm-hmm. don't really do anything yeah. special. It's just them. Um
0: Exactly. Yeah, it's just... And it, it's funny to put that in a kid's movie because, like, Nelly <laughs> doesn't know who <laughs> who Kevin Hart is or, like, doesn't understand... Like as an adult, you're watching that. You're like, "Oh, yeah. Kevin Hart is playing Kevin." Hart. <laughs> like Nelly's like, "Why is this? Do- why is this dog like?" Yeah, acting like yeah, this? exactly. <laughs> Speaking of voice actors or just voice in general, but how do you feel about the ASMR videos? <laughs> do you do you, do you ever watch? So I video? actually
1: saw my first ASMR video the other day, on the revival of Beavis and Butthead. Yes, so oh, really? which is I highly recommend it. It's very funny. It's on Paramount Plus, and. Uh, Okay. They watch an ASMR video and they're like whispering. <laughs> it's so weird. Like it's so weird. I mean, I guess I get it. It's like relaxing and stuff, but it just seems. I don't know. I wouldn't. I wouldn't sit down and watch it by choice. I mean,
0: I feel like there's layers to it. There's also Maybe. different genres. I feel like some of it is about relaxation. Also, some. I think there's definitely like a, a an erotica component hmm. to it. I think. We
1: yeah, should do an know. ASMR video <laughs> where I build Legos, and then like we sing. <laughs> in like barely audible I mean a Lego one would be actually a Lego one would be cool just the sound of it. I wonder if I if I can make my microphone pick up a Lego clutch let's see can you
0: hear it? yeah but you need to get yeah. a much higher quality microphone <laughs> to really do an ASMR video alright so uh,
1: touch of evil okay, we, we gotta talk about the Mexican in the room or rather the, the non-Mexican in the room yeah <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Which I mean, so Charlton Heston was in brownface, and he mm-hmm. didn't. What I, I mean, so obviously that's a big no-no now. But I guess what I did appreciate is that he didn't make any attempt to do like a stereotypical. Like this was not Mickey Rooney in Breakfast at Tiffany's. It was just basically Charlton Heston mm-hmm. being Charlton Heston,
0: but in brownface. All things considered, I think overall it's probably relatively non-offensive yeah. as, as these things go. It could have been so much worse. I don't know that any of the actors they cast in roles of Mexicans were Yeah, that that Mexican. was my other <laughs> observation. Like, all the, like, all the, like, young thugs were, like, all just white dudes in leather jackets. Like, they were just, like, it, a motorcycle gang.
1: I don't really... Did you notice the tweaker who, like, couldn't stand still? <laughs> yeah. Was like, yeah. what is he on? Is, is he supposed to I be mean, on, on marijuana? Like... The whole thing was so
0: it was so weird because it's like, I don't know, as a late 50s movie trying to represent like this burgeoning drug culture and like it just like didn't capture anything correctly. (laughs) It all just seemed really fake and really, I think, took away from the impact of the movie, like the weird night clerk at the hotel and like his weird facial expressions and weird nervous tics was strange and- yeah I had
1: I had the same the same notes on the, the the night clerk guy I was like what the hell is this guy doing he seemed like he was almost in a, just a different yeah. a different movie <laughs> like uh, you know and yeah. I got the impression that Orson Wells who co-wrote this movie and it's based on a book as well but he, he I guess adapted it he wrote the part for himself his young version of himself but like he plays the yeah. the huge drunk corrupt corrupt cop in the movie so he's the villain and he did look uh, very sweaty and yeah i mean the the whoever was in the sweat department on this movie did i a honestly really job. was they... <laughs> was a little bit concerned for him i was afraid he was going to die of a heart attack like mid movie <laughs> on set
0: i think looking at the, the the bigger picture about this movie and why it's famous, it seems like there was a lot of the controversy around the, the, the editing of the movie like kind of enhanced its mystique. Orson Welles wanted it to be edited in a very specific way and the studio did what they wanted to do and he was upset about it. And it wasn't until 40 years later or 30 years later that the director's cut actually came out. And what I read about it was it's this whole... Structurally, it's all set up to, to mimic the sort of stages of a bullfight. And if you didn't know anything, which I don't, about bullfighting, you wouldn't know that at all. That mattered to Orson Welles that it was pretty exacting, regardless of whether the viewer picked up on that. Um, and there were things like the, the tracking shot that opens the film is very famous. The, at, the, at the very first frame, someone puts a car bomb on a car. And then the tracking shot follows the car moving through the streets of this fictional border town as it move to- moves towards the mexican us border i don't think this is any spoiler but the the car blows up when they place the car bomb on the car it's set to explode at three minutes and the tracking shot follows them for exactly three minutes until the bomb explodes so there's all of these little exacting parts of it in the execution which i think are are really great to know when you watch it it gives you that appreciation for it that i don't think you would maybe have that level of appreciation if you didn't really read the the background on the production and, and the concept.
1: I don't know if you could hear the Space Cats card that somebody activated in the background. I can hear it. <laughs> <laughs> I love that you 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 don't have like a, a,
0: a podcasting room, so you're like subject to the... Well, I have a, an
1: extra, a spare room, and usually Bromlin works in there, and I would do my podcast in there. But it's full of like... Birthday stuff, and I don't know if it's all like hidden away. I don't want to spoil anything, so I'm <laughs> staying out of
0: there. So, have you have you been watching any any baseball this year? Oh, the they're Giants so suck, bad. So right now. it's yeah. less interesting. I was just texting with Christopher of Tawny Frogmouth, and um, mm. you know he's a Mets fan, and so this is this is a very exciting yeah, they're, year they're for great. him. I've been thinking of some changes to the to the game that can make it more exciting. I think in the ninth inning, I think every team's closer. Should be a chimpanzee, <laughs> so that it
1: increases an element of unpredictability. Now, now, game. if you saw Nope, you might just you might you might change your 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 uh, your thoughts on that. Starting at I the beginning of the game. ninth inning, every out, the players all have to remove an item of clothing of their choice. <laughs> <laughs> <And> <laughs> do you really, do you really want to see that? I, I guarantee the games would be shorter. I think it would change the clientele. <laughs> the I mean. Yeah, it's like, like <laughs> you'd you'd really you like really come to baseball. fear as a player you'd really come to fear those those balls that you have to catch on a hop. Oh man, that's I don't know, Dave. We'll have to think about these. See, I I, I have a here's community. my thing about baseball. Like I know its popularity is waning and people want to change the game. I really enjoy baseball and I think it has a nice balance right now. And mm-hmm. if people don't like it, I'm kind of like screw them. They don't have to, but. I don't know. I get that they want to keep continually bring in a new audience. I think more concerning to me is how baseball has become less diverse. I think that makes it less interesting, and mm-hmm. I would like to see them focus on that rather than rule changes.
0: So w- one thing I want to I want to get your opinion on, but, you know, before we, uh, I mean, we 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 can follow this mm-hmm. through the fall. But you brought up yes. Roe v. Wade, and I don't want to necessarily get into that. But I am curious. It seems like the Democrats turn the narrative around. Yeah. And then with all the DOJ, FBI, search warrant business, it's muddied the waters. But I want to get your early prognostications about what's going to happen in these midterm elections. Um,
1: I think we're going to end up with a split Congress. I think the Democrats will win the Senate. The Republicans will win the House. And the Republicans, gonna, mm-hmm. you know, they don't really understand the concept of investigating people because they need to be investigated and they see everything as political. Mm-hmm. So they're going to open a bunch of, like, investigations on Democrats that don't actually come to anything. I think uh, Lauren Boebert mm-hmm. said that she wants to put Fauci in jail for some reason, and I haven't actually seen him commit any crimes. Mm-hmm. So we'll see. Like, I don't know what she's talking about. The only crime is whoever invented the term yeah. fauci <laughs> That's not a crime. That's a that's. That's amazing. So I feel as if the Democrats have finally found a way to talk about abortion. I feel like Roe v. Wade, in one sense, kind of stunted the conversation because it let people who didn't feel strongly about it just kind of step out of the way and let the extremist fringe on both sides have it out mm-hmm. and now that it's sort of back and, you know, I think voters are being faced with considering exactly what that decision meant. You mean you saw in campus campus, Kansas, that, uh, they, they, they turned down a chain. I think it was, they voted down a change to the constitution, which would make abortion illegal. And, um, You know, I I feel like the answer for this with, like, the answer for a lot of things is there's a middle ground, and as long as the the fringe elements dominate the conversation, we're never going to hit that middle ground. And there's also a lot of bad information. You know, people in pro-life love to talk about late-term abortions, but, like, such a small fraction of abortions actually happen late-term. Most of them happen at the beginning. Um, There's a lot of privacy issues that are intertwined with this. So, I mean, I feel as if we're going to end up with like some sort of new balance at some point in the future. And this issue is going to stop dominating the national conversation, um, which is something that I've hoped for for a long time. Cause I think it's, it's an ugly issue that nobody can talk about intelligibly. Have you
0: gotten in any street fights over
1: this? Nope. I've, I've, I've been trying to keep my head down and also, you know, mm-hmm. in California, this is a bit of a moot point. I mean, we're, Unless there's some law passed on the federal level that overrides California's California's laws, um, I don't foresee anything changing in California. I want you to get a large truck with one of those f-
0: flags mounted in the bed. You know what I'm talking about—the trucks with yeah. the Trump flags. the Like I, I want you to get one of those, but I want it to just be like I want the flag to just be like the MST <laughs> or something like, or. <laughs> Or just take like a picture of your kids. <laughs> like, I love my just family. Like, <laughs> and there's
1: pictures of them on the flag. <laughs> yeah. I, just, I want to take back both giant flags and trucks. So one last note about baseball. The other day I was listening to Centerfield by John Fogarty. And mm-hmm. in that song, he talks about the brown-eyed <laughs> handsome man. Like, I think that there's an element of sex in baseball that we're leaving, we're leaving on the table. Mm-hmm. Um,
0: mm-hmm.
1: The first thing we need to do is get rid of the the dumpy well, I pants. Mean, People need to start wearing the stirrups again.
0: It's so funny you say that because I initially tried to name this this squadcast the Saggy Pants Club, but for some reason it wouldn't <laughs> let me because of this so like it I don't know they changed their <laughs> interface. But that's what ba- that's what baseball is. It's just the Saggy Pants Club now. When you watch like Ferris Bueller's Day Off and they're like mm-hmm. at the Cubs game or whatever, and like the baseball players like they all have yep. the high stirrups and the the short pants and it, it's classic and like their butts are like clearly defined and now it's like where's the butt <laughs> you can't
1: find that button there oh man yeah i remember now, now this is really going off i remember there was a i think it was a it was donruss or upper deck series of cards where they basically had baseball players in various states of undress and they were in black and white yeah they were like in black that. and white uh and it wasn't, like, stripping. It was just, like, they're, like, like the dude would be standing there batting, but he'd have a jock strap on or something. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember liking them as a child, although not really liking them. Be- I, I just thought they were neat looking. <laughs> but I think I had the set at some
0: mm-hmm. point. I know the one you're talking about. I don't think they were all shirtless. Do you remember, like, in the early 90s, they also had, the, like, the posters Yeah. Were really creative? Like, they had the the Will Clark and Kevin Mitchell Pacific Song <laughs> Exchange, where they were in the Pacific Stock Exchange uh, in suits, yep. like in pinstripe suits and there was like <laughs> money flying all around. The... And <laughs> then um, Now it seems so dated, but yeah, yeah those were dope. <laughs> <laughs> all right, my friends. Um, we have to we have to get back on this recording yeah, we schedule. A... We got to
1: bring the meerkats. We gonna try to every two weeks. All right. I think we should try um, to. Uh, let's contemplate some movies and we will make a... A pledge to our listener or listeners that we'll be back in two weeks. I have set, I have almost 700 Twitter followers <laughs> now, so we should be able to glean like yeah, really, like half a dozen listeners off of that. I think. Damn, dude. Yeah, I'm 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 um, a regular influencer. I am
0: a professional frog impersonator.
1: And I am Chewbacca's hidden codpiece.
0: And we'll see you later. This has been Planet of the Meerkats. The Meerkats are David Garrison and Neil Fries. Our theme song is by the one and only Tawny Frogmouth. You can subscribe to Planet of the Meerkats wherever you get your podcasts. And you'll find links to all of our social accounts at planetofthemeerkats.com. We're trying to send a little old-fashioned positivity into your ears, so your support means a lot to us. Thanks for listening.